0: Like I say, last week we looked at the triune God. We looked at the Holy Spirit's role in the Godhead. We looked at the Holy Spirit's role in creation. And we looked at the Holy Spirit's role in the life of Jesus before He was glorified. And today, um, I want to look, uh, start a journey in looking at the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of every believer. And that is you and I. We know... The story starts at salvation with the outpouring of God's divine love into our hearts. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus says this, that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. This does not mean a life absence of trials and tribulations, but it means a life of Overcoming. And often we've been sold a gospel that says, come to Jesus and all your trials will go away. And that is not the gospel that Jesus preached. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. And in that he said, in this life, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. So we can live a transcendent life above, in and through our circumstances in and with the power of the Holy Spirit. An abundant life grounded in the fact that as God's children, we will never face those trials alone. The amazing scripture in Isaiah 43, speaking of our salvation, we know that Isaiah goes and prophesies the, the um, crucifixion of, and resurrection of Jesus. But in 43, 1 to 6, he says this, This is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob. He who formed you, O Israel. Fear not. Fear not. Not because your circumstances changed. Not because you aren't going through trials and tribulations. But because I am, I have redeemed you. And I have summoned you by name and you are mine. What an amazing Promise, church, and when you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you, and when you walk through the fire, you will not get burned, maybe singed a bit, but not burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, and Christians even your stead. Since you are precious and honored in my sight and because I love you. Church, in the sight of God, we meditate on these things. You are precious and honored by him. And because I love you, I will give men in exchange for you and people in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid. For I am with you. There's a lot of stuff going on in this world. There's a lot of stuff that we can get anxious and nervous and afraid about. But when we fix our eyes on Jesus, we understand that He walks us through these things. And no matter what happens, not only is He coming back in glory, but we will be with Him for all eternity. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm with you, and I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. Many people, many parents concerned about their children. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing to pray for them. But this is a promise from God. We don't stand on circumstance. We stand on the word. Amen? Amen? And I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. In Romans 5, 1 to 5, God speaks about this divine love. And I've been meditating on this. You know, I've preached on this scripture often. I just can't get enough of it. Romans chapter 5. And this is what the writer Paul under the anointing of the Holy Spirit says. Therefore, to you know what it's there for, you have to go back to see what it's there for. Because the context of this is that we are justified by faith in Jesus Christ, not by works, not by our own ability, but because what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. Therefore, since we have been justified, through faith, justified means justification, means in the simplest term, just as if we had never sinned. That's how God sees us in and through the blood of Jesus. We have peace with God. How? Through Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace. In which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We have hope, people. Our hope is not in our circumstance. Our hope is not in this. Our hope is in the glory of God. Our hope is in the fact that Jesus Christ is returning, as Andy said. And we look forward to that day. And even if we, he, he um, doesn't come before we pass away, our hope... Is in him. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. Alone. Christ alone. The cornerstone. Not only so. But we rejoice in our sufferings. This one we like to brush over quickly. Because we know. There's a purpose. Remember. In our sufferings we rejoice. Because like Isaiah 43 said. We are never alone. He walks us through them. And some sufferings we create ourselves, and some are circumstantial. But in that, God is with us, God has a plan, and God has an answer for us. Because we know that sufferings produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. But here's the key for me for Romans 5. And hope... Does not disappoint us. If our hope is in him. We will never be disappointed. If our hope is in anything else. But Jesus Christ. We will be let down. And hope deferred. Makes our heart sick. But if our hope is in him. If our our hope. If we're standing solid on the rock. We will not. Be disappointed. Because God. Has poured. Out His love into his heart, into our hearts, by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. the outpouring of divine love, and that's what I want to speak of, because that is the Holy Spirit, a love that can never be earned. We're never good enough to save ourselves. the sooner we realize that, the sooner we realize that Jesus Christ paid the price for our sin, past, present, and future, the sooner we'll become free from guilt and condemnation and we'll begin looking forward to the hope we have in an eternal God. It's never earned or achieved. It can only be received by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is encapsulated. This divine love is encapsulated in these next three verses. Because this is what Jesus did. You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, every single one of us have a right time. Some of us delay that right time and we cause all kinds of pain and trials. But every time we come To the Lord Jesus Christ. Every time we confess our sin. Every time we come into his presence. Is the right time. And we know the voice of the enemy. And we know the voice of God. Through these two simple things. When we fall. The voice of God will say. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. You are heavy burdened. Burdened with sin. Burdened with guilt. Heavy laden. And I will give you rest. And you'll find peace for your soul. And the enemy will trash talk you and say, you're not worthy. You're not worthy. You're not worthy. Well, I want to tell you, relax. Because none of us are worthy. Outside of Jesus Christ. None of us are worthy. But in Christ. In Christ, our hope is there. And just at the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That was us. Very rarely, this is divine love, will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, having no guarantee that we would respond, Christ died for us. very important little word in here, and that's the word this. See, because we've been sold a prosperity gospel often, a gospel that doesn't make room for suffering, there's actually a doctrine called the doctrine of suffering. Because we've been sold that, when things go wrong, or when We mess up. We equate that with the fact that God does not love us. Things go wrong, God obviously doesn't love me. Things go right, he loves me. He loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. Schizophrenic Christians. Based on our performance. Now there's no excuse for sin because as we fall more in love for God... With God, he says, if you love me, you will obey me. John 14. 16, I think it is. If you love me, you will obey me. What he is saying there is fall in love with me. And you will want to obey me. Religions puts obedience first. Obey, obey, obey. And when you fall, you obviously don't love God. And therefore, God can't love you. Fall in love with me. And you will Obey me. And he demonstrates the word there in that, that verse. Is God demonstrated his love in this. There's no other thing that God could have given for us than his only son and allowing him to die on the cross. Everything else he gives us and blesses us with is amazing. But when we go through trials, he's still with us. But in this one thing, and when we equate God's love to our natural circumstance, we're either really happy or really sad, and sometimes in the same moment, in the same day, and in the same conversation. But when we understand that God's love never changes, He does not change like shifting shadows. He has paid the price for you, and He gave His very best for you. So your value... To God. Is the value that he placed in his son. That he would give his son. Because when I go and buy something. The value is determined by the cost. God could not give us anything more valuable. He didn't send the angel Gabriel. He didn't send somebody else. He sent his only begotten Son to die for us, to pay the price for us so we can restore. Relationship broken by sin could be restored in Jesus Christ. Don't ever question the love of God for you. For nothing, go and read a chapter or two later, Romans 12. Nothing can separate you from that God, that love for those who are in Christ Jesus. Nothing. And we have to establish that. Firm and central that when we are feeling unloved, when we are feeling down, the place that where we come to get our, our, our affirmation and our love from is God as He pours out His love into our hearts by His Holy Spirit. And when we get that right, everything else starts to fall into place. The love of God is never changing, and I tell you, in, this, in the times that the church is going through around the world, we better be prepared, I'm not saying things are going to go wrong here, but we better be prepared to understand that no matter what, God loves us, and no matter what happens, we win, good. because Jesus is coming back, the King of glory, or we are going to meet Him. Amen. 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 You see, the greatest love story ever told is that whilst we were powerless, ungodly sinners, we've just read this, deserving the full consequence of our sin, Jesus came, died on a cross, and willingly paid the price. And as a result, God pulled out His love, Into his heart, into our hearts by his Holy Spirit. And through that, we have received Jesus Christ, become the dwelling place of God. That's why he's with us. He never leaves us for society. No matter fires, trials, whatever, he's with us because he's in us. We're in him and he's in us. It's a tremendous mystery. And we try and work this out in our own strength, our own ability. It's impossible. These are sparsely discerned things. that we need to understand this great mystery. Because in 1 Corinthians 3.16, we see that we as a church have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Peter 5 tells us that we like living stones are being built Into a spiritual house, the house of God. And I love that analogy of stones, living stones. Stones are hard to work with, stones are hard to build with, stones don't always fit as we want them to. And it takes a master builder to build with stone. And make a beautiful stone wall to me. We are all different. And we all have a place. In that wall. Shapes, sizes, colors, creeds. Living stones. And I'm so glad that God didn't make us bricks. Mold. Like religion. Wants to treat you like a brick. I'm going to cut all those edges off you. And I'm going to make you square, boring, and ugly. We say, come to Jesus just as you are, but when you come, you better be sure we're going to change you. And we try to change from the outside in, and that's religion, and religion only works. True religion, which is a relationship with Jesus Christ, only works from the inside out. You can try as much as you like to change yourself from the outside. You might last a few minutes. But when God begins to transform us, when we fall in love with Him, the things of the world become strangely dim. The things of the world, the stuff He gives us, is not what consumes us. We say, God, you've given it to me, and if you want it, I give it away. God, I want to be like Abraham, where you said in Genesis 12, God, Abraham, I will bless you. Top line of the covenant, bottom line. So that you will be a blessing. I want to pour it into my church. I want to pour this blessing. So much blessing into the church. So that the city and the nations will see my blessing through their generosity. So that we can send more. Go more. Do more. The church is hamstrung by the finances. And God blesses us. And I'm, I'm talking universally. We have a generous church. But wherever I go, as part of the team that I'm on, to churches, we want to do this, but. We want to do that. Now we can walk in faith and trust God, but we also need to be conduits, conduits of blessing. Conduits of blessing. Because that's what He's called us to be. These living stones built together. And 1 Corinthians 6:19 which to me is more than likely the most amazing thing of all I can understand the corporate body being the temple of the holy spirit but God brings it right down personal to you and I and he says do you not know that your body your body is the temple Of the Holy Spirit. You personally are the dwelling place of God. Who is in you. And you received him in you. When you gave your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. He indwells you. And God poured out his love. His divine love into your heart. By a spirit. And you are not your own. You read before that. He says so be careful. About what you do. I read the context, but what an amazing truth that we are born again, that we as born again believers have become the dwelling place of God. Colossians one twenty seven says this: that is Christ in you, that is the hope of glory. I want to say it's Christ in you. That is the hope of your glory, your glorification, your future eternal life with Jesus Christ forever and ever and ever. Church, this has been an incredible love story written before the foundation of the earth. God knew that. If he gave us free will, we'd more than likely mess up. So before the foundation of the earth, in Ephesians chapter 1, he had a plan. And that plan was to send his son Jesus to pay the price for your sins. So that relationship restored by sin could be redeemed. Uh, Broken by sin could be restored through Jesus Many people say this, and I say this over because I hear it all the time. Well, why did God, if he knew we were going to sin, why did he make us? If he knew Adam was going to sin. He made us with a free will for this one purpose and purpose alone. That without free will, there cannot be love. It's abuse. When Right? Go and say, I want to marry that lady, and I kidnap her, and I lock her in a room and force her to be my wife. You would call that abuse. But when you find somebody, and that love is mutual, and, and so on, because God wants mutual relationship. He wants us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And through that, you'll begin loving your neighbor's. But it's a relationship that he wants. So he gave us a choice. But he also put in place a plan. And that was that Jesus Christ would come and pay the price for that sin. So that we could be restored into relationship. It would have been cruel if he did not have a plan. But the plan is a free will plan. That whomsoever believes will not perish but he gives us that choice. Isn't that absolutely amazing? That is what divine love is. And Ephesians tells the story of love in such an amazing way. And I'll read this passage, and after last week's marathon, I'm nearly finished. The great thing about watching it on video is that you can stop it when you need a break. Imagine if, They had a pause button for me. (laughs) They would love one. (laughs) Ephesians 2. Speaking of us. Verse 1 to 11. It says, as for you and as for me, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in you and in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived amongst them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the sin nature. And one of those cravings is more stuff. If I had more stuff, I'd be more happy. I often wonder. I think George Bezos and, and Gates, Bill Gates, and amazing men that have done incredible things that we have been blessed by. But I wonder, after 1 billion, 2 billion, 10 billion, what makes them happy? What makes them happy? Yeah, if they gave it away, I'm sure, and I know they are generous guys. But it must be pretty empty in a sense, to get to that place and say, okay, I've got $100 billion. If I had $200, maybe it would help me. And we can bring that down to if I had $10 or if I had $20 or $100. You see, those are the cravings of the sin nature. God wants to bless us. God wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing. And a blessing is a cup of water in my name. A blessing is a visit. And so often we we equate blessing to finances. I tell you what, some people just need a hug and a love and a friend. Money can't buy you love. So you can be a blessing at whatever level. When I get more stuff or when I'm This. And so we need to understand that we were like this, but we no longer like this. Following its desires and thoughts, like the rest we were by nature's objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us. I love the buts of God too, the therefores in the butts. Because without that but because we would be lost. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And when we get saved, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed. In his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith in Jesus Christ. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not by works, so that no man can boast. Depending on whether you, what side of the spectrum you are in Christianity, we have the works people. And we have the grace people. Works people, I've got to work in my salvation. Hyper grace, it doesn't matter what I do, God's forgiven me anyway. Both of them, wrong. (laughs) Because the next verse puts it all into perspective. For we are God's workmanship. And we were created in Christ to do Good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. What is a good work? Like I say, a visit. It could be helping somebody, an elderly person. It could be shoveling snow for an old lady neighbor. It could be anything like that. And why is that so important? Because those soften people's hearts. And when they ask you why you do it, and you tell them why, the seed can get, take root in their hearts. And so the good works don't save us. The good works don't save them. But they create an atmosphere through our lifestyle where the Holy Spirit can work in people's lives. Amen? Amen. 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 We go down to verse nineteen, and I was, going to, I was stressing a bit like this because I'm missing James Lenny's best part of Ephesians chapter two, where the two become one, about Israel and the Gentiles becoming one. A wonderful bit of scripture, passage of scripture. So please go and read it. But for the sake of time, I want to go to verse nineteen, and it's consequently. Consequently, because of Jesus, you are no longer foreigners or aliens. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, you are no longer an alien. (laughs) I couldn't resist that. Okay, some of you are surprised. But it's true. Now I want you to say this to them. You are a fellow citizen with God. Say that to them. And members of God's household. And what is this household built on? Remember, we are the house of God, built on the foundations. Of the apostles and the prophets was Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. And in him, the whole building is being joined together. We are living stones. And when a stone is not in the building, when it falls out the middle of the wall, you know it's missing. When we are not playing a role in the church, God knows. And he longs for us to be put back into that wall because we are better together. We are stronger together. We can do more together. And God wants if you to find your place. And to be that stone. And be knitted together with the body. Cemented into the wall. Amen? In Him. In Jesus Christ. The whole building is joined together. Join together these stones and rises to be a holy temple in the Lord, the temple of the Holy Spirit, the Church of God, the ones who have been indwelling present, the ones who have been filled with divine love by the Holy Spirit, and in him you are being built. Is the word up there? Can you say it? Together, and in the Hebrew and the Greek, it means together. All right. To become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit, church, what a privilege! Can see how these light things can fall away when we fix our eyes on Him. When we fix our eyes on our hope and our future and what God has. These things become strangely dim. Do they hurt? Do they pain us? Of course they do. Of course they do. But we're not alone. And we are pilgrims passing through. We have an eternal glory. And that's my sermon for today. Yeah, there you are. I'm trying to work out is because I'm 20 minutes early or because you enjoyed it, but <laughs> excuse my insecurities. <laughs> if I could have the worship team here, and I want to put up here. We're going to sing the song, but if I could put the words, um, Bill, uh, I think it's in my notes there, so I should have asked you right at the end. My hope is built, and I want to read this to you. How many of you love the song Cornerstone? Okay. Now, I'm going to get it up here before we sing it. You can just bring the song up. It's um, And put it up there. But I'm, I'm going to ask him to, we're just going to do this um, with the worship team. And I want you to read these words that we sing. You see, we often sing words, but we don't consider what we're singing. Lord, I'll give you my life. Lord, I'll give you everything. Lord, I'll do this. And it's not a I mean, but that's what we're singing. And when I read this, because we've just finished about speaking in Ephesians about the cornerstone, and I want to ask, I ask myself this, and I'm still trying to answer it, because it says this: My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Is our hope built on anything else than that? Because then we are standing on shifting sand. We are not built on the rock. And when the storms come, Jesus says, the house on the rock that looks exactly the same as the house on the sand will stand and the other one will fall down. Church, We've got to come to a place in our lives where this becomes a revelation. And in my life, I've got to get back to this and say, God, what am I placing my hope in? I dare not trust the sweetest frame. But it's a big word, holy. Or would I say, but sometimes trust in Jesus' name. Church, God is calling us back to intimacy through the power of His Spirit. This is not to bring condemnation. He wants us to be in this place where He is our all in all, our all-sufficient one, that everything we find, our our identity, who we are in Christ, we find our fulfillment in Him, that we are fulfilled in that no matter what circumstance comes. Christ alone Christ alone, church. Christ alone. Nothing more, nothing less. The cornerstone. The weak made strong. In the Savior's love. And through the storm, yet will I praise Him. Yet will I worship Him. Yet will I begin to rejoice for He is is Lord of all I'm going to ask the worship we just bow our heads in this please church I read this differently yesterday as I spoke of Cornerstone I said let me look and I thought, God that's what I want to be that's where I want to go that's where I think we as Oceanside want to go let's take the next step let's take one step at a time you don't eat an elephant all at once, you eat it one bite at a time. Let's take the next step. If our faith is weak and you just add a little little mustard seed to our little one, it will begin to grow. My hope is built on nothing less church.